And today I want to talk about communication. Um, we're wrapping up our This Is Us series, which I've gotten so much feedback, even from people in the Northeast and different parts of the country that are listening into um, what God's doing right now, what He's speaking to us, and it's resonating. And so I'm thankful for how God's been doing that. But I, I believe that we're going to kind of tie a bow, and as we land this one, I think it's really going to help us launch into this season of prayer. It's really going to help us launch into this Life As We Know It series that will kind of pick up where we left off next week. Um, we've been watching this show, This Is Us, and, and it, it's, it's a beautifully, beautifully written story about all these people's lives and these three siblings and these parents and how their lives have just transformed and now many of them are kind of in like difficult places where they're having to make decisions and looking for direction with their career and some difficult family things they're having to navigate through. And the truth is that we're, we always find ourselves in some place where, man, we, we need God to, to speak. And, and many times when we talk about communication, especially in a relational series like we've focused this, we think very much on talking to one another. But I kind of want to put the kind of the practical nuts and bolts of relational communication aside today and like sign up for our marriage conference um, the first weekend, Friday and Saturday in, uh, in October. Like it's on the calendar. We've got guest speakers coming. It's going to be an amazing, amazing day. Um, put that on your calendar. We'll get into a lot of nuts and bolts then. Um, but this is, I, I really just want to talk about communicating with God because from the beginning of creation, God has shown it not that he just set creation in motion, but he wanted to know us, and he, he, he wanted us to know him. He said, I want to be your people, and I want you to know me. And, and for most of us, I, I just want you to be real with yourself. Most of us, we get the idea of God, but knowing God intimately and personally, like he's, yeah, I understand he speaks to you, pastor, that sounds nice, but like, what about me? Can, can I hear God? And most of us, even if we believe that we can, like we struggle to know what that's like. And so I hope to be able to lay out a lot of stuff because I think once we really begin to break through some real communication things with God, I believe that's just inevitably going to help our communication with one another. Okay, And so I'm kind of going, talk, talking about communication in a relational sense and in a roundabout, I feel more core of the issue way that I feel like sets us into where we're going. And I'm going to preach out of one of the craziest stories in the Bible. It's one that you're like, seriously, man? Like, that's ridiculous. I can't believe that's in the Bible. Like, I can't believe this happened. Like, and for me, it's always been just this. It's just been a crazy text in Scripture that's like, that's wild. There's just some wild things in Scripture that you're like, man, that's nuts. I can't believe that. Um, but this one, the more I studied it and God brought me to it, the more I found that it's just incredibly profound to our walk with God and hearing God and knowing where he's taking us and where he's leading us and also where he's, he's not and listening to his voice and obedience. And so there's just a whole lot in here I'm anxious um, to, to get into. So we're going to be going to Numbers chapter 22. All right, it, it's Genesis, Exodus, and then Numbers. And many times, like, we, we like Genesis and Exodus. Those are pretty good texts for us to read. But once we hit Numbers, like, we just start trailing off. And, like, Leviticus, no thanks. And, like, Deuteronomy, maybe, you know, a couple of places. But, like, it, it just gets intense. And there's a lot of stuff that we struggle to understand. It's how that plays into our life here as New Testament believers but let me just pause and like lean in on numbers. You, most of you probably not heard a message out of numbers before. So let's go to Numbers chapter 22. 
and we're going to talk about this guy named Balaam. And to do this today, I need a lot of help. We'll, we'll get into reading the scriptures, but I just kind of want to tell you the story in a really fun way. So um, let me take a swig here, and then I'm going to get some volunteers. Okay, so I need a few volunteers. First, I need someone who is going to be Balak, the king of Moab. Moab, not Moab. Who's going to be king? Who wants to be a king for a day, like for, for like 30 minutes? Anybody want to be king? Come on. Somebody be king for me. There you go, Scotty. Come be king. I've got an amazing crown for you, dude. And you get to rock it right here. You rock your crown. Beautiful. Like, do I need to knight you as well? I don't know if that's part of it. So there's, everybody give it up for Balak. The king of Moab. Here you go. You can um, put your name tag on so everybody can remember who you are. Um, I need somebody else who is going to be Balaam, the prophet. But he wasn't just any kind of prophet. Like, he kind of liked his money. And so I need, um, he liked to get a little money for his services. So can I get a Balaam, the prophet, who liked a little money on the side? Anybody else? Come on. I need Balaam. Yeah, yes, come here, Shabreen. It's a dude, but we're all about contextualizing this thing, Okay. <laughs> And so you get this nice money chain. You're a prophet, but you like the money too. <laughs> um, and then I need um, someone else um, to be Balaam's donkey. Somebody want to come be a donkey for me, right? There you go. Is it? Is it? Yeah. This. He said. <laughs> he goes. This is a Hispanic thing. This is. Yeah, sorry. You, you, you volunteers. You didn't know. Um, Okay, so yeah, you, you can just hang there for a second. Let's get, um, let's get your name tags on so everybody can remember who you are. This is Balaam's donkey. Uh, is, that, is that me buzzing here? I don't know what's going on. Okay. Um, and then all of you are going to participate too because you're all going to be Israel. You're going to be Israel, okay? So I'm going to tell you this story, and I need a couple people who are going to be elders. Let me, let me just give this to uh, Jonathan um, and, and Giancarlo. Let me give that to you guys. You guys are going to be my elders as well. I'll, I'll call you guys when I need to. These are our main characters, and so they're up for Emmys at the end. We'll, we'll give them some awards, so let's give it up for them. Okay, um, let, me, let me tell you this little story in Numbers chapter 22. You're so funny. Um, so there's this guy. His, his name's um, Balak. He's the king of Moab. And he is looking out at Israel. Israel, you've been gone from Egypt about 38 and some odd years, right? Everybody who was under the age of about 25 years old is still alive. Everybody that was above the age of 25 when they left Egypt is now dead, with the exception of a very short few of people, like Moses, Aaron, Miriam, who will pass away very shortly after. There's just like literally a handful of people who were kind of like older adults at that time. Uh, Everybody else is coming into this. And now God, God called them out of Egypt. And where did he call them to? Canaan, right, Canaan, the promised land is known as Canaan, and so they, they were taken out of slavery, God delivered them out of slavery, so they've been gone out of that slavery for about 38 years, and they're headed to Canaan, God has told them that's the land he's going to take them to, and he's also told them, Deuteronomy chapter 2 tells us, that he's told them that Moab is not where they're going, their destiny is not in Moab, their destiny is in Canaan. But Balak here, he's a little bit of an insecure king, and so you guys need to like play this out. He's a little bit of an insecure king, and he's looking out at Israel, and he's really, he's really scared about Israel taking his territory. So scare him, scare Moab, right? Or scare Balak, yeah, very good. You guys are terrible. Um, 
You, you, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're going to act it out. We're going to have some fun today, okay? You guys okay to just have a little fun? Um, all right, so Balak's a little bit nervous, but like Israel has like conquered some other nations and God's brought them victory, but he has no reason to be nervous. He doesn't know God. He doesn't have a relationship with God. So he, he, he's already told Israel, hey, that, that's not your destiny. Your destiny is Canaan. Don't even be worried about them. So Balak decides he's going to call um, this prophet that he knows about, who's not an Israelite, who's not of your people. He's not. He's one of only two He's, only, he's one of only two guys in Scripture that are listed in the Old Testament as, as like men of God. Jethro and Melchizedek and Balaam were only three. They were not Israelites, but God used them and had given them this special spiritual gift, and he was, had a relationship with them. But that doesn't mean he's perfect. So, yeah, exactly. And so Balaam really um, is, is, is kind of over here, and he's this prophet who kind of does it for hire, and um, uh, Balak says, hey, I'm, I'm going to sin for this guy because I've heard that whatever he blesses will be blessed, and whatever he curses will be cursed. And so he calls together the elders of Moab and Midian, and they come, and he sends them over with a little money in their pocket to Balaam to convince Balaam to come and curse you guys. To curse Israel. And so they go over there and just stop right there for just a second. So give me some good staging. There you go. You guys are awesome. That's perfect. Everybody can see you now. Um, all right. So the, he, they come over and, and they're like, hey, so um, our, our king, our king Balak really wants you to come and he's willing to pay you for your services to come curse these people. And he's like, all right, let, let me pray about it, right? That's his first thought. Like, that might be what we even pray, or what we even say to them. Hey, let me pray about it. So spend the night. You guys can spend the night for a second. And he goes, and Balaam step up for just a second. Balaam comes out, and he prays to God, hey, God, what, what do you think about this? They want me to come. And, they, and God tells him, no, you're not going to Moab. No, you're not going to Moab, because they want you to curse my people. They want you to curse my people, and I've blessed these people, and you're not going to say anything that's different than what I have to say. You're speaking for me. First Peter says this. It says, if anyone is going to speak, they should speak as if they're speaking for God. And this is important when we look into our, our relationships. Think about that for just a second. That when we speak to one another, we should speak as if we're speaking for God. Feel the gravity of that for just a second. Feel the weight of that thought that Peter challenges us to. Of if we're going to be speaking, if we've got anything, mom said, you know, if you're going to say anything, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If you can't say something that's pure enough, like it's speaking, come on, do you feel like that's just, that's some heavy gravity. And so God's kind of you know, that, that's a New Testament text, but that's what he's saying here is like, you're going to speak for me, so you're not going there because I actually know what's in your heart, and, and really, this might be about money. So he goes and he tells them, like, look, I can't go. God said, God said no, very simply. God said no, and so they go back. So they go back. Hang out, donkey. You're, you're coming in here in just a second. It's not going to be good. I'm just telling you, man. It's, it's about to get real. Um, yeah, okay, and so guys, take your tags off, and Balak's upset about that, and I need you to pass those off to people, to two other people, real quick. So Balak's upset with these guys, like, come on, guys, I give you one job, go and get the guy, and bring him back, and so 
he gets these other two people that were a little more distinguished. They were a little more distinguished. So go ahead, John, Christina, come up. They were a little more distinguished. Yep, he's looking very distinguished, very nice. And, um, and so he also gives them a little more money this time. He gives them a, a little more money, and he sends them back with the same thing. And that's where we're going to pick the story up. Go ahead. He sends them back over here and says, hey, I sent you out to do one job. Here's a little more money. I know he likes money. This will probably get the job done. Bring him back to me. And so that's where I want to pick up the verse, and I actually want to read it from here because I want you to see the text. Right? I, could, I could tell this whole thing kind of in, in dramatic fashion, but I want you to see the text because there's some things in here where on the outside it looks like one thing. It, you can't see the chain around his neck. You can't see that in the text. But if you listen, if you look really closely at the text, you'll see that God sees beyond the exterior, beyond just the outer presentation. He sees to the inner posture. And let's pick up in chapter 22, verse 15, right here. Then Balak sent other officials, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. Keep, uh, they came to Balaam and said, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me, because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace and I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now, see that verse, that verse right before that? He sounds like a good little Sunday school boy, a good mouthpiece for God. I couldn't do anything that God um, tells me not to do. I can't do it. God already told me this, right? He already said it. And so... He's saying all the right things, but the next few verses are going to tell us something different because of God's response to him. Um, verse 19. Now spend the night here so I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. Spend the night here. Why did they need to spend the night? Why did he need to go back and ask God what else he's going to tell them? He's already told them. I don't know if you ever did this um, when you were a kid. I, my kids do it now, and I know I did it, especially like when it was like, I felt like it was always around like spend the night at some friend's house. You know, you always want to go stay over. And I would ask, you know, um, one of my friends would say, hey, go ask your mom if you can spend the night. And so I'd go ask my mom, and she'd be like, no, like I don't like that kid. He's bad news. And like, no, you're not staying. I'm like, she said I need to work on my homework, and I, you know, I'd tell them that. And uh, I, can't, I can't go. And um, he was like, well, go ask your dad. And so like, turn around and like, go ask my dad. And my dad will say, hey, I just told you, you know, I just overheard your, your mom tell you this. You're, you're not going. We're on the same page. My, my son does that with us sometimes. Like Beckett will do that. And he'll ask mom. Then he'll come ask dad. But like, bro, the same result. You're asking. We're, we're one now. Like two are now one now. You're asking the same person. Like parents, you need to be on the same page. Even if you're in a split custody situation, you've got to work to be on the same page. Like, if you want a healthy thing in, in your relationships and in your marriages, and my, my kids will try to do that. They'll try to divide, even without trying to divide. It's just the, the rebellion in their hearts that wants a different answer than we gave the first time. So I think that's the only thing, and the next verse I think will show very clearly, because God gets mad. He gets mad that he tells him to stay the night and that he's even coming to ask him the second time. 
Because God knows what's in his heart. He, he said all the right things. Like it looks good on the outside. There's an outer presentation of submission, but there's an inner posture of rebellion. There's an outer presentation of submission, saying all the right things. You look like a good church kid that can just kind of blend in, but the inner posture is rebellion. And, and, and God's telling us today, like, hey, I, I know you can say the right things on the outside, but if you'll just get the inner posture on the inside, if when I ask you, you'll, you won't wait till the second time, you'll do it the first time. This is like what I'm pounding in with my kids right now. Bro, obedience is the first time. Like, you ask my kids, if you start, hey, obedience is, they'll, they should tell you, they, they might not today, don't, don't, don't test them, we're working on it. <laughs> they'll say, hopefully, obedience is the first time. The second time is delayed obedience, a.k.a. disobedience. And look at God's response here to him telling him, hey, just stay here. I'm going to go pray. Go to verse 21. Balaam got up in the morning, sat on his donkey. You see, before, there was actually, there was actually a conversation between he and God. There wasn't a conversation here. He just said, let me go talk to God. So it's this appearance of like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pray about it, you know. And then he's like, got up the next morning, just hopped on the donkey. Like, I'm going. You hit me. You gave me a little more money. And that kind of, kind of did it for me. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. So they're beginning. He's saddled up, and the donkey is on his way. And then verse 21, uh, stop, stop right there for just a second. Verse 22, I'm sorry. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord, I need an angel, I forgot, Anastasia, can you be my angel? Can you be my angel? You are awesome. High five. Come right here. You're going to be my angel, and, you're, and I forgot one prop. Oh, man, I, I, so stand right there. You look beautiful like a little angel. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and he had two servants with him. We'll just act like you guys are the servants right now. Stop right there. Verse 23. So God's angry, you, you see that in the text. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get back on, on the road. Go ahead and just act that out for me. You've got a sword in your hand, and he turns off the road, and you beat your donkey. Go ahead, beat your donkey. Come on, that's not beating. Beat the donkey. You know? um, stop for just a second. Every picture you've ever had in your head, has there ever been an angel with a sword in their hand? I don't know. That's not the touch by an angel I grew up on. I don't know about you. <laughs> um, the donkey saw the angel of the Lord and turned off. And this is where we get into a lot of deep stuff. Like we, we, We're leaning into some obedient stuff to God, posture of our heart stuff. But this is where it really starts leaning in on some donkeys in our life. Because when we've got some inner posture issues, we've got an outward appearance of submission, but we've got rebellion in our heart, where we're saying it's about one thing, and then we're, we're delaying, and then we're acting like we're praying about it, but we're really not. We're just doing what we want to do. We're not actually looking down in, run, in front of us. We're looking to the right. We're looking to the left. And we can't even see the angel of the Lord. And the scripture is going to go on to tell us that the angel of the Lord had a sword in his hand for a reason, her hand, for a reason. 
that she was going to kill Balaam if, if, she, if he made it this far. The angel of the Lord. <laughs> um, when, when we're distracted and we've got other things going on in our heart, when we've got rebellion in our heart, we won't see the angel of the Lord right in front of us, but there's going to be some donkeys in our life that will spare our lives. And they'll speak up and they'll say things that we don't want to hear, but they see things we don't see because we're distracted. And many times, maybe it's been a mom or dad in a rebellious season. Maybe it's been uh, just someone that's a little more mature in the Lord that you hear what they're saying. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to pray about it. And then we go and we do our own thing. But really in our heart, we're beating the donkey. Like, just get back on the road. I told you where we're going. There's donkeys in our life. And many times we look at, at a donkey as kind of like a, a, a servant. And I believe that's what they are. They're servants of God to protect us from what we don't see down the road. To protect us from, from being led astray. So let's keep reading the text here. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. He's back on the road. When, then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards. And I, you're, you're going to feel the weight of this because we've experienced this as we've walked in rebellion in our own lives. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it, so he beat the donkey again. So here the donkey has led it now in a little more narrow space. You ever find yourself when you're walking in rebellion, when you're walking in disobedience, things things seem to get harder at some point. And the donkey's like, hey, I'm telling you, you're doing it wrong. And we kind of get our feelings hurt at that point. And we beat the donkey a little bit more. That's, you know what's a really good, good filter for us? Anger is a really good indicator for us. Always ask, why am I angry? Why am I angry? Am I angry because I know it's true? And I'm walking in rebellion? Or am I angry because of, of another reason? Ask why you're angry. Let that anger be an indicator that I need to figure out what's going on here. And that's exactly what happens here. So he beats the, the donkey again. And, and what happens next is a very sad state about what happens in many of our relationships with the, with the donkeys in our lives. Keep going. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. Can you just, it, it, it's got where I turned you off the path for just a second. Some of your lives might be in that moment where you turned off the path for a second, a donkey trying to save your life. And then now my foot's been a little bit hurt. I've been dealing with some of this hurt and this pain. I don't know what to do with it. And now it's in a place that the, 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 the narrow, the, the, the lane here is so tight. We don't even have room to move. And some of us may have been, are dealing with this maybe in a financial sense right now, where, man, we've made some poor decisions, we've rebelled against what God's commands are in a financial sense, and now we're in such a tight place, I don't even have room to turn. Or maybe it's in a relational sense, maybe it's in a spiritual sense, where, man, we've just been rebelling, doing our own thing, putting on the show, but in our hearts we haven't been submitted, and now we're just kind of stuck, and we don't even have room to turn around. But it, it seems to get harder and harder, and it's all for our good, and it's all for his glory. God loves you so much that he'll put donkeys in your life that you think are against you, but they're actually for you. Keep, keep reading. 
because it kind of gets sad here. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat it with a staff. I see this so much in the church. I see this so much in families, where the donkey in your life that's trying to make sure that you don't see what's down the road, your eyes are focused on some other things, and you've got some rebellion in your heart that you can't see. And we keep beating that donkey, even if we're not verbally beating them in our hearts. We're like, I'm not listening to anything else you have to say to me. And we beat them to the point and we ignore them to the point that they just lay down and they don't speak up anymore. And that's one of the most dangerous places you can be. Because the the angels that God's speaking, literally going to speak through a donkey here to wake us up. It's gotten to that point where it has to get harder and harder that people and relationships in our life just have to lay down and we just continue to take out the anger on them. And God is crying out to get our attention that, that you can't go where you want to go with this still attached. And it's not about the money. It could be something else. It could be the bitterness. It could be the unforgiveness. It could be the jealousy. You name it. It could be the addiction. Whatever it is, you can't keep going. So let's, read, let's keep reading the text here. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and this is where it gets like what? Like it starts, you start imagining Shrek here and, you know, little donkey, like donkey. Um, and said it to Balaam, what have I done to make you beat me these three times? It's the donkey talking. It's wild, right? Thank you. <laughs> Balaam answered the donkey, you've made a fool of me. If only a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. Indeed, you are talking to a donkey. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, your own donkey, which you've always ridden to this day? Have I not been in the habit of, uh, have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. And check this out right here. This is huge. And this is where some of us need to have this moment today where we realize we've been beating a donkey. Here we go. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a sword drawn. And so he bowed low and fell face down. (laughs) There's a weight there when we realize we we have some blind spots. We have some things that have kept us distracted to the right and to the left. And God's been trying to protect us through some donkeys in our life. Maybe it's been a message that I've shared six months ago. I don't know. Or that was your first donkey moment, and I'm the donkey that day, Lee. <laughs> you know? Maybe it's been a parent, maybe it's been a friend that's just come along. It's been that donkey. I, I want you to begin to see the donkeys in your life. And don't call them anything. <laughs> don't call them a donkey. But just recognize who they are, and that God might be using them in this moment to speak to you. And in this time, we... We reflect and say, God, is, it, is there something in my heart that's keeping me distracted? Am I just kind of putting on the outer presentation, but my inner posture is pretty prideful. It's pretty arrogant. Let's keep reading just a few more verses. You guys can actually all be seated. Can you give it up for them? Um, best lead character in a biblical narrative goes to Shabreen. Um, best supporting role in a biblical narrative. Let's give it up for the donkey. There you go. Thank you all for your, um, you can hang on to that, Lee. I know you really want it. So, um, 
<laughs> Let's finish reading the text, and, and I want to call us to, to a response today. The angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? Why are you mad? Why are you mad? What's, what's got this anger in you? I've come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. God opposes us sometimes. That's hard for us to hear because we know that God works things all to the good of those who love him. We got to fill that last part in. Like, oh, God's going to work it out. He's going to make it. Here's the deal. When we walk in obedience, God takes complete responsibility. And the best expectation you could have of it, it'll be 20 times better than that. It'll be infinity times better than your expectation will how it go, will go. When we walk in obedience to him, he takes responsibility. But when we walk in disobedience, when we walk in rebellion, we take responsibility for the outcome. We have to bear the weight of that. He takes responsibility for the obedience. We have to deal with the consequences of our disobedience. I could have certainly killed you by now, but I would have spared it. He reveals his intentions there. Verse 34 and 35, and we'll wrap it up here. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I've sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you're displeased, I will go back. Finally, verse 35. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. It's an interesting text you really have to navigate in here because even the ending here can be a little bit confusing. Like, wait, I thought God said he didn't want him to go there. Sometimes it's not a matter of the direction you're going, it's the posture in which you're going. If Balaam before he repented, before he realized he was in this kind of rebellious state. It wasn't even about that. God, God can send faithful people into difficult circumstances and God can use them. And so here God says, look, now you're actually in a place, you're asking me, and your heart's in a place where I can actually use you here. Because you're not just going to say all the good things on the outside. There's something legit that's happened on the inside. It's not just outer presentation. There's inner posture. And so when we're kind of praying about, God, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I supposed to be doing that? I I think the will of God is um, many times very difficult to discern. But when you're walking in obedience, it's, it's as vast as the ocean. If I'm walking in obedience, I can't step outside the will of God. It's only when I I delay that obedience. It's only when I put on the outer presentation and I'm not praying the prayers of David and say, God, create a clean and heart in me. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. God, if there's any wicked way, if I'm turning to the right or left, if there's anything wicked going on, any rebellion, God, then take it out of me. It's only in in moments like that, it's in prayers like that, that we know that we're not going to miss the will of God because every day, every moment, I'm just saying, God, create that. I I want to walk the path you have. And I'm not just going to put on the presentation when the inner posture is that of rebellion. It's a powerful text to us. And I believe that God's calling us to, to be mouthpieces for him. But before we can speak anything for God, if anyone would speak for God, they should speak as if they are 
speaking God's word. Before we can do that, like God's got to do some things in our heart. There's some rebellion. There's some delayed obedience. And, and I'm just praying in this, this 40 days of prayer that God is just going to wake up our spiritual senses. Like some that have been dormant for a long time, some that have just been, like we've just been scratching the surface to how God wants to commune with us. You see, God has shown us from the beginning of creation that he desires communion, he desires communication. Communication flows out of communion. And so when I abide in him, I can discern and I can, but let me just tell you this and I'll, I'll get back to that. God won't speak out of two sides of his mouth. He won't speak out of two sides of his mouth. If he's saying it to you, it can be confirmed in the scriptures. God's not going to speak opposite of what his scriptures tell you. So sometimes I don't even have, I don't, most of the time, I don't even have to go back and ask a second time because he's already spoken in his word. I don't have to pray about things that are in the word that give me clarity on. God, should I be a part of the body of Christ? Should I use my giftings? Um, should I honor you in the tithe? I don't have to pray about that. God's already made his plans clear. Should, should I, I you know, sleep with this person who's not my spouse? God's already made that clear, that, that, that sex is sacred to him. He, he's, he's already drawn those lines, and so we don't have to ask questions like that because he's already laid it out there. And so God's calling us to like some, maybe some repentance in our life today. Maybe some opening of lines of communication. And I just believe that God, if God can, can speak to a man like Balaam who was, didn't have it all together, but he knew God, God had gifted him. If he can speak to a man like Balaam, I believe that he can speak to us. And if he can speak from the mouth of a donkey, I think he can speak through us. And if you don't get anything out of this message, I want you to know this. God does and wants and is speaking to you. He's speaking to you. If you don't catch anything else, he can speak through you. And and if it's good enough for you, God, it's good enough for me. If you say you want to speak to me, and despite all my kind of shame and baggage I'm bringing, I want to hear you. And if you think you can use me with all my baggage and all my, the smelliness of myself as a donkey and my stubborn ways sometimes, even if you can use me, God, then, then use me. I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray with you. And Man, I just want to invite you. I want to invite you to maybe make your seat an altar. Maybe make these crosses, this altar area. Just make it an altar today and find yourself like Balaam found himself. When his eyes were open, and maybe there's some shadow things going on in your life that you, your eyes have not been opened on, and I just believe that today in this place, God will just have some moments where we just say, hey, God, reveal it in me. I've been stubborn trying to do this thing my way. I've been trying to rebel. I've been saying the right things. People at church think everything's fine, but God, I know I'm running. I'm running. I bring it's gonna, I think as we recognize the cross, as we recognize what this table is, that it wasn't all about us, that, that God, through Jesus, see, God gave Jesus to communicate in a way that we could understand. God's going to speak in many different ways to us, in a way that you can understand. He's going to speak a little bit differently to you than he does to me.
He may reveal himself this week in your life a little bit different, but you'll know. You'll know. I want to pray and call us to repentance. God, thank you for your word that even a wild text of talking donkeys and angels with swords in their hands and prophets with some greed issues. God, even through like stories like this that are just a lot for us to process. God, they're so deep and profound and rich. God, and I just pray today for a hunger, a hunger to know you more, like a hunger to know, God, that you are all we need, and we don't have to figure this out. We don't have to make our own way, God. We just need to find ourselves in submission and obedience, and if we can do that, like the path will be made straight for us because we are prepared to be used for your glory. God, I pray that you would refine our hearts, bring us to repentance, bring us to submission, God. If any rebellion be in us, God, strike it dead out of us today. Cut it away in Jesus' name. We thank you for the cross, God. We thank you for this time of celebration, the death and resurrection of Jesus. We know your fullness because of what you gave us. In Christ's name, amen.